there is nobody out there who is questioning the infectivity of this. This is looking like it is doubling in the number of cases every two days. If you've received two shots, that should no longer be considered fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated is three shots. Welcome to the Rain Insights on COVID-19 podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's listen as Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with doctors Fred Southwick and Bill Lang for our weekly coronavirus update. Bill and Fred, again, uh, thank you for joining us. It, uh, since we last spoke uh, seven days ago, it's been a very, very eventful week uh, in terms of the data and the spread of Omicron, uh, some of the new data that's coming out about the vaccines, and in particular Johnson & Johnson. Uh, there are, are domestic issues, international issues, etc. And I'm just going to open up the floor and ask you to bring us up to speed what you're seeing. Fred, I know uh, under the category of all politics is local, not only do you and Bill have some interesting data to share broadly, but what's happening in Florida is sort of a microcosm of how people should be thinking about the current environment. So without any uh, sense of alarm, et cetera, be great to unpack what people should know and what they should be thinking about. David, I'd like to just start reminding everybody that there's, when you think about any new infectious disease, and I, I said this last week, but you've got to think of the three major characteristics. Number one is how infectious is it? Number two, how serious is it if the infection occurs? And number three, how well do our mitigation tools work against it? I think at this point, there is nobody out there who is questioning the infectivity of this. This is looking like it is doubling in the number of cases every two days. And in fact, the case estimates that we are seeing are probably actually low because many people are are not getting that sick. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But many people are not, are not getting that sick and they're just not reporting it. There are still serious cases though. And so that's the issue is how many of those serious cases are there? But then on the third part of it is the how well are our mitigations working? The in-hospital mitigation tools that we have, which are primarily uh, remdesivir and the steroids, we don't really know that well about remdesivir. Fred might have some comments on that, but steroids are still going to going to work very well if they're needed, and we can talk more about that in a minute. Um, and then the vaccines, if you're boosted, the vaccines still seem to be very protective. If you're boosted, that's very, very important. The oncoming oral medicines, they still seem like they are going to work, but we don't have them yet. They're still probably another at least couple of weeks off. They may be able to accelerate that somewhat, but you can only, ma you can only manufacture pills so fast. Um, but that is the, uh, the, the new antiviral coming from uh, Pfizer. That looks like we'll have that pretty shortly. Uh, but and then the the general mitigation tools, the public health mitigation tools, distancing and masks and all that. You know, as fast as we are seeing this thing spread, I don't think it's just a matter of people not doing the mitigations. I think that this is probably just so transmissible that that the only mitigation would be to hermetically seal yourself. It's 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 in the it gets out in, in the air pretty easily. So I, I think that's that's kind of my general overview of where we stand. Uh, Bill, I, I, that's a really uh, nice summary of the issues. And, and one 
because it is so contagious and the reproductive rate, which is how many uh, individuals will one person on average infect is somewhere between 10 and 12. This is at the level of measles. This is the most, one of the most infectious agents ever reported. And it is spreading through the U.S. at a very much rapid or more rapid rate than we would have predicted even last week. Uh, there are now uh, in the wastewater of Orlando, all samples tested showed Omicron. And in Los Angeles, similarly, wastewater has detected Omicron in all samples. So it is throughout, I predicted throughout the United States, even if it hasn't been reported, and um, it's spreading, it's going to spread very, very rapidly because, as, as Bill mentioned, uh, it's doubling every two to three days. That is extremely rapid. And if you look at the curve from South Africa for this particular uh, variant, there, there was no little curl in the curve. It went straight up immediately. And that reflects the high, the very contagious nature. The other big concern is that uh, if you're only, if you've received two shots, that should no longer be considered fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated is three shots. In fact, I've heard some epidemiologists said, why didn't we say from the beginning we needed three shots for this? And that would be full, considered fully vaccinated. Uh, for example, Cornell University, uh, all their students were required to have two vaccinations, two shots. They had reported over a thousand cases yesterday among their vaccinated population. So, uh, and the estimated efficacy for two shots is for Pfizer is about 35% of protection. If you have the third shot, I'm not going to even call it a booster anymore. It should be called the third and final shot. Um, the efficacy is more in the order of 85%, comparable to uh, the original for the, for the original viruses, the earlier viruses uh, for the two, two doses. So I think the message is you're not fully vaccinated until you have the three uh, shots. And that's very, very important. With regards to severity of illness, we, that, the jury is still out on that. Um, I heard uh, through Osterholm, who's a renowned uh, epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota, he has been in close contact with South African physicians, and they are claiming that the rate of hospitalization for the Omicron is comparable to the Delta agent surge. So uh, we may not be spared. And the concern is we are going to overwhelm our health systems. And as I mentioned last week, all healthcare professionals are exhausted. And this is very, very frightening from the standpoint of uh, managing these cases, particularly if we outstrip our health system. And that's exactly what is the, the main issue here. Nobody, nobody disputes at this point that the infectivity of this is incredible. If, if you do not have the three shots, 
you know, exactly as Fred was saying, you're going to get it. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. You're going to, it's just a question. I really believe it's just a question of when. I'm seeing that with our individual patients who they, they're out there in society doing things, trying to do the right things in terms of protecting themselves, and they're getting it. Now, most of the, the anecdotes, and remember, the plural of anecdotes is not data, but anecdotally, most of these people are not getting very sick. They're getting flu-like sick, you know, some, which means for some of them, they're, they're down hard for a day or two, but they're not hospitalized sick. Part of the reason for that appears to be that some, some research, this is more in Fred's, Fred's lane than mine, he may be able to say something about this, research is showing that the virus is not attaching to lung tissue to anywhere near the degree that the earlier variants have. Therefore, it's causing more of a severe upper respiratory infection, meaning your nose, throat. Um, it's very similar to the way influenza causes a very intense upper respiratory infection, but not causing as much of a of a lung um, inflammation, which has been the big problem with the earlier versions. And then, as far as the data in South Africa, there's a lot of of dis- I won't say dispute. I think it's just different ways of cutting the data. The healthcare system in South Africa is being, uh, maybe not overwhelmed, but is getting is getting stressed right now. However, the actual rate of hospitalization is only this, the chief medical officer um, in South Africa. He said they're they're only seeing about one point one point seven percent of COVID nineteen cases being admitted to the hospital. Now that compares with nineteen percent at the same point in the Delta wave. But this wave is so much more pervasive that they're getting so many people infected so rapidly that even at 1.7% of the number of people, of the big number of infections they're seeing, that's a very, that's a, a high, a high number of hospitalizations. But there's one thing that's very interesting that came out just yesterday, and that is that the positivity rate in South Africa over the past 72 hours has been going down. And it's not just because they're not testing as much. It's actually, this is very early, so I'm not, I'm not hanging my hat on this. It's, it's one of those, a hopeful sign is that it may actually be burning. It's, it is so infectious that it's burning out very rapidly. Don't, don't go telling people that it's burning out. I don't want to say that's a, that's a sure thing, but that sure, sure would be a hopeful sign if that is what's happening. Bill, Bill, I agree with everything uh, you said. And, and, and the, the question is, uh, does this virus uh, uh, get into the lung very often? The preliminary studies do suggest it's less likely to get into the lower respiratory tract and it is predominantly staying in the upper respiratory tract. I certainly hope that is true. But as its population distribution as far as severity, and even if it's a very, as you indicated, even if there's a low percent that get critically ill, because so many individuals are getting infected, the absolute number of infections could still be very high and potentially overwhelm our health system. Let's hope not. Now, one of the things that South African investigators have warned is that in South Africa, virtually everyone has been infected at least once. That is not necessarily true in the U.S. So the mild uh, manifestations may be the consequence 
of prior infections and a certain level of immunity among the entire population. Therefore, we cannot extrapolate what's found in South Africa necessary to the United States where there are still a significant percentage of individuals who have not been vaccinated and who have not been infected. So that's the concern. And we won't know for another two or three weeks how that's going to play out. Well, and that's one other non-hopeful statistics that's coming out of South Africa is it appears that your risk of getting infected, not severity, but just risk of infection, if you already had COVID, is approximately five times the risk of infection with Delta if you already had COVID. But it's that that doesn't address severity issues. And as Fred was saying, that may be part of the reason why they're not seeing the severe cases. On the other hand, the the vaccination rate in South Africa is is less than 30 percent. Um, so we're in the U.S. We're about double that. Um, so that's and their their third shot rate in South Africa is less than 10 percent. So we're up we're up now pretty close to 40 percent for booster vaccinations. It's just it's not quite 40. It's in the upper 30s. Um, so I mean, there's so many there's so many permutations of the data, the differences in in demographics, the differences in populations, the differences in weather. Remember, it's the middle of summer in South Africa also. Um, so there's so many differences that it's hard to draw conclusions from one to the other. Um, the, the one the one area that maybe you can draw some better conclusions from is what's happening in the United Kingdom. Remember, they're about a week ahead of us. They are, I've talked to one of the companies that I work with on a daily basis. They're, they have an office in London with a, a lo- hundreds of people. And they said over, in just, just since it started, which has really only been two weeks in the United Kingdom, they've had half of their people out with, with COVID, which and they assume that most of those were Omicron. Notably, even with hundreds of infections, they have not had a single person hospitalized. And almost everybody is back to work, not coming into the office, but but working remotely, back to work within a day or two of this happening. So, you know, there's just there's a lot of conflicting information as the the chief medical officer in the United Kingdom. And as uh, the CDC is saying, Dr. Walensky is saying, don't assume that this is going to be more mild. We can look at some hopeful signs and and hopeful signs that it's going to be a mild infection, but we don't want to make that assumption yet. So listening to this, I could synthesize some takeaways for people. Number one, um, this new variant is multiplying very, very quickly. And the assumption is, notwithstanding the closing of borders, it's here and it's spreading. Uh, Fred, it was interesting what you said in terms of the wastewater and what's been detected down in Florida, uh, as well as the statistics out of Cornell. Secondly, it underscores the importance of having a third vaccine and the efficacy of that. Third, it also suggests that, at least for now, uh, if you have been fully vaccinated, now defined as with a third vaccine, uh, if you do contract it, at least the data that thus far is showing mild symptoms and um, virtually no real concerns uh, about hospitalizations. Obviously, there are exceptions to that. 
are those the fair takeaways from all the noise? Uh, because there's a lot of understandable alarm out there in the marketplace. Yeah, but that's an excellent summary. I think that summarizes. One other key point I wanted to make is that, um, and Bill alluded to this, the routine infection control practices are going to be, uh, are not going to mitigate this very much. And it's, it's the Delta and even more so the Omicron are being spread by fine aerosol. And that fine aerosol will build up in any closed room so ventilation is critical, and uh, a routine surgical mask, uh, cloth mask is completely out, uh, but neither of those are going to be effective. And the only mask that has any hope of being effective, in my estimation, is an N95 mask, a mask that actually fits tightly and has small pores to actually filter out the uh, uh, aerosols. So that that's another key element. And I think for any business, I, I would not have my uh, personnel in an office at this point. I think we got to take some time off again. And as Bill said, I, the hope is that because it is so highly infectious, it may burn out relatively quickly. And hopefully, uh, I can't, I, I won't even say when, but hopefully it will uh, it'll quiet down more quickly than the Delta or the prior uh, infections. So Fred, let me jump in with Bill because I, I wanted to flip the coin of the takeaways from what we're seeing uh, from the data. So if you were an um, institution, I don't care whether you're a government agency, private sector, business, NGO, school, and you were going to reopen uh, obviously, people, I guess for the schools, they're going to be leaving for midwinter break. But what I'm hearing you say is that to the extent that businesses or enterprises are reopening and schools are reopening, that all the data says a third vaccine is necessary. Well, that's true, but that doesn't help the right now, at least the kids, because we're we're not immunizing the kids. One of the questions I also have is: is six months going to be too far for um, the vaccine? Yeah, that's that's always a question: is how how far is your initial immunity going to last, and at what point is is uh, additional the third shot of the three shot series? Just like hepatitis, as a matter of fact, remember hepatitis, you get one shot at time zero, one shot a month later, one shot six to 12 months later, and then you've got durable, long-lasting immunity. If you don't get that third shot, your immunity wanes pretty quickly. So this may be the same, may be a similar pattern. There is some some evidence, again, coming from South Africa, different setting, that's showing that the third shot may not be as durable as we're hoping, but we'll we'll see. So putting durability aside, and we have to see what the data shows, what I'm hearing from both of you in your collective judgment is that a baseline for safely either reopening or continuing to come into the to closed environments uh, would be a third vaccine. Absolutely. The data is very, very clear on that now. I was actually thinking about clear guidance being offered by whether it's the CDC or um, FDA or uh, whomever. I just haven't heard that clear guidance that says, based upon the data, businesses, 
even government agencies should be considering, even on a voluntary basis, a notion of um, to be fully vaccinated these days in light of the variant, in light of the new data. Uh, one should be considering fully vaccinated to mean three vaccines. And, yeah, to, yeah, to defend yeah. the CDC, they have to make decisions by committee. Yeah, to, to defend the CDC, they have to make decisions by committee. We have the luxury of deciding on our own and stating those facts. We didn't have to go through talking to multiple people about it. I think that that will come. The CDC will recommend that. I don't know how quickly, but and this data has literally come out in the last three days. So, so I think we have to give them t a little bit of time. The problem is this virus is raging so quickly that if you take too much time, by the time you make the recommendation, it's going to be too late. So, uh, you know, it's just very, very difficult uh, because of the speed with which this particular virus is spreading. This is the fastest I've ever seen anything spread. I hope I can put this, uh, express this correctly, but right now we need to be thinking that we have two separate epidemics. We have an epidemic of Delta, Delta being slightly less infectious, but much higher potential for severe disease and hospitalization and unfortunately death. We think a higher potential of that than, than Omicron. And then we have this Omicron that is just all the things we've said about it as far as, as going like gangbusters. In most of the U.S., as of today, most cases are still Delta. That's probably not going to be the case, maybe even by Christmas, but certainly by New Year's, I think will likely be primarily Omicron. But right now, you need you still need to be thinking about these two different ones with the with Delta being less infectious. But if you get that, you have a higher chance of, of a more difficult outcome. Well stated. I completely agree with Bill on that. And we cannot forget the Delta, which is clearly very deadly. We've spoken about the data that comes out of uh, the U.S., South Africa, U.K. Is there any data out of Israel, which has often been very, very uh, important to assessing the risk here? Is there anything new out of Israel that people should be aware of? David, one other thing I'd like to just, just, I think it's important to keep in mind, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit with uh, with the Omicron variant, is yeah, everything you're, you're seeing in the headlines um, and, and hearing from, from various public health authorities is worst case analysis. It's not unreasonable worst case analysis, but it is worst case because you don't want to get it wrong. But and, and that's what everyone should be thinking about. They should be assuming this is going to be bad and taking every action you can take to prevent it because we don't know for sure yet that it's not. However, there is an alternative possible outcome. And the alternative outcome is that Omicron is, in fact, less severe because it does not infect the lungs. It is, in fact, much more infectious. We know that a highly infectious agent of a, a variant will displace a less infectious agent. So Omicron displaces Delta. Omicron becomes the dominant, if not sole strain. And then everybody essentially is either immune from, from vaccination or infection. 
and the epidemic begins to burn itself out. That is a, that is, I think, is a very, very possible, plausible uh, direction that this is going to go. I don't want to say that everyone should assume that that's going to happen and therefore make your judgments and decisions based on that. But I think that as you're looking at all the, or hearing, I should say, all the bad things that uh, could happen, this also could have a very positive outcome. I'm a little less optimistic now. And just a warning, because I am very fearful that our health systems are going to be overwhelmed. And particularly at states like Texas and Florida, where they actually are preventing effective infection controls. So uh, this leaves these populations extremely vulnerable. And even though a small percent will get severely ill, uh, that small percent of a large number infected could overwhelm our health systems. And that's why I think we have to be as conservative and encouraging of aggressive isolation at this point uh, until we know more. And I don't disagree. My point is just everyone is just think that there there could be other alternatives. It doesn't change what we need to do right now, which is take all of the proper measures to control. I, I just don't want to leave anyone with the easy way out. <laughs> okay. No, I agree. I agree. So, so while this debate is raging, we're not really debating anything. There's a... Uh, there's, I think, a very, very clear consensus view that emerges uh, in our conversations. But it is interesting because I uh, just received off my phone an announcement that uh, the CDC has stated that unvaccinated students exposed to COVID can stay in school under a new testing protocol. So, Fred, you know, once again, I sort of feel this is a a giant game of whack-a-mole that um, you knock one down and something else pops up. But, you know, so much for uh, isolation and and protocols and vaccine mandates. In conclusion, what should we be looking for in the coming weeks, guys? I think the major concern I have is the illness severity of the Omicron. And if it's mild, that's great news. If it's more severe than we thought, that would be very worrisome. And specifically, I'll I'd be looking at hospitalization rates, uh, but not just hospitalization rates. You need to look at what the UK National Health Service reports, which is persons in hospital, because that's the other thing that they reported in South Africa is that length of stay with Delta was typically eight days. Length of stay with Omicron is typically three days. That makes a huge difference. That's why even with the surge in hospitalizations in South Africa, they have not seen an overwhelming of a hospital because people are in and out pretty quickly. All right. I want to thank you both for clarifying so much. Uh, There's a lot for people to think about, but you did a great job as always synthesizing it and uh, simplifying the pathway ahead and what to be looking for. Bill, Fred, be well. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. Dr. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Both doctors are part of the RAIN Expert Network. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Sign up for our coronavirus solution. Visit us at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.